This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcasts.org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcasts.org. All right, Parshas Nasso, everybody. Parshas Nasso 5783. So here's what we're going to talk about today. Parachas Pasuk Yud Zion. The Lokacha Kohen Mayim Kedoshim Bekli Cheres. That the, for the Sota woman, when the Sota woman is involved, the Kohen takes holy water in a clay kli and from the dirt that is in the ground of the Mishkan he takes it together and he puts it into the water itself this is holy water the first version of holy water that you put in a regular clay vessel but dirt is added to it and the dirt makes it into something different mixes it in together so what does this mean exactly what is that holy water where does it come from so Rashi says it was made holy when it was put into the kior the kior was the vessel that was used to make water to be able for the Kohanim to be able to wash their hands wash their feet etc in order to do the avoda. the water inside there made them holy and therefore it's called Mayim Kedoshim the kior was created from the copper mirrors if you remember this they took all of the copper mirrors that they used in Mitzrayim to make themselves look beautiful and convinced their husbands to be together with them even though they were exhausted from all the work they had to do in Mitzrayim and they were able to have their husbands be together with them and thus have children, etc. And that came from those copper mirrors. Those mirrors that were used to create Klau Yisrael and allow them to propagate even in Mitzrayim, those were used by the Sotas to show how she misused those properties of Kedusha and became a Kedusha in the other way. Since this woman went in the wrong direction, she wouldn't become, hopefully we hope, that we would, she wouldn't become pregnant through her, you know, through her Znus activities, right? This is the exact opposite of what the Kiora stood for, the exact opposite of what that Kiora meant. Therefore, they went to that plea, took water from there for her to drink. The Grizz points out that the Targum Yonason says, Vayasev Kahana Me Kiura. Now he says that instead of calling it Mayim Kedoshim, holy water, which is what anybody else would have translated as, he literally called it the waters of the Kiora. Even if it, I, it sounds strange, why would you call it that way? Why not call it if you're translating the pasuk correctly? Mayim kedoshim min hakior. That's what you could have said, but you didn't have to say may kior as if that's the only water possible. It seems that this is answering a question, says the Grizz, the Briskarov, in Menachos Pechesim Abeis. The Gemara seems to wonder, and Rashi over there says, if this water had to be specifically holy for the purpose of being used for a sota, as it is for Nisochamayim, in order to libate the water on Sukkis by pouring it over the Mizbech, is that what you need? Or is it enough that it's from the Kior and that's it? Do you have to specifically pick it up and make it holy, have a thought of holiness, have a machshava kedosha that you're doing it for this reason? Or can it just be random water that you pick up from the Kior without any thought process? Or you could pick it up for something else and then somebody says, hey, can we use that for the Mesota? And you say, yeah, what does it have to be? It seems that the Gemara answers that the Mayim Kedoshim just has to be holy from the Kior, but not specifically holy. You don't have to say it's holy. It could just be automatically holy by being from the Kior itself. And therefore, Targum Yonason says, May Kior. It doesn't have to be May Kedoshim 
from the kior. It has to be made kior and therefore automatically holy and that's good enough. You don't need anything more than that. That's an amazing grizz, by the way. The Torah Moore says an amazing thing. He says, this water is actually holy and therefore can't be touched by someone with a tummy body. It causes someone who drinks it to become sick and feel tremendous pain until they die in a very strange fashion because Kedusha and Tuma don't go well together. So this woman is taking Kadosh water to mix with her tummy body and therefore she gets hurt. We're going to see later on. There's a lot of stuff that they end up putting into this water. This water isn't simply water, dirt, and a little piece of paper in it. There might be a lot more to what goes on in this water itself. But that's how the Torah more says it. Now, what Victor Miller says, there's something strange over here. It makes no sense to mix dirt into holy water. You wouldn't do that. You take holy water and you throw dirt into it, making the holy water tummy. There's nothing more tummy than the ground itself, even if it is the ground of the base of Mikdash. The, the ground is the coarsest thing on earth. Water is a little bit higher. Why would you take something so tummy and put it in? Even less sense to make it into a disgusting concoction, to make it into mud, really. It's watery mud that you're then going to have her drink. And according to the Paris Yosef, it's possible, possible that the clee that they put it in was a used clee. Clay kalim are disgusting. In fact, there's Allah by a menorah. You're not allowed to have a menorah made of clay because they're so disgusting, right? That they wax. I don't know about our clay nowadays, but back then the wax and the lights and the candles would get all over the place. It would look disgusting, feel disgusting. You want you wouldn't want to go anywhere near it. So you can't use that clay. This clay might be a used clay to be able to use. It's symbolic, he says, of this woman using her clay, her body. And her holy vessel, right, the ability to make children and cause it and use it for the wrong reasons altogether. It's symbolic about what it means. The water of the Kior prepares the Kohen for his Avodah, right? The dirt of the Mizbeach is supposed to be something that was used, I guess, to hold up the Kedusha and allow the Kedusha to be there. Both of them are preparation ideas. The act that she did befouled the water, made everything disgusting to her husband and for everybody out there. She may not be guilty of adultery. Remember, a sota didn't, who drinks did not necessarily commit an act of evil. But she did go against her husband. Her husband said, don't be alone with a guy, right? That guy specifically. And she did. Even if she didn't do anything wrong inside that room, even if she was just in the room and that's it, she still went against her husband who asked her not to do so. And she did so anyway. Therefore, she deserves that blame, says her Victor Miller, that she didn't listen to those warnings, continue to be in a situation, seclusion with a man she should never have been with, and for that, befouling the waters, that's the remez of what's happening over here. It's as if you're taking the whole props, prop, purpose of Kedusha and turning into something disgusting that no one would ever want to have. That's Eddie Ben Hirsch goes a little bit more. Dirt has the ability to birth from it. It's the only thing in the world that we have that has the ability to give birth aside from an animal, right? I know you could probably say a seed, although that, might be, that could be argued. The seed is only from the ground. You put something in the ground and something will grow from it. Something comes out from that. And we even use the muscle of the ground with rain going into it the same way we describe a husband together with his wife. That's something that's used all over. Says Rav Hirsch, you had Mayim Kedoshim to ground, and it should cause things to grow. 
everything should grow. It could make anything grow, especially now with like hydroponics and the different things they're able to do with water, etc. Right? You can grow even from just water itself. You should be able to grow from both things. If the water is impure or if the dirt has been sullied, then the growth becomes wrong. Instead of being the growth of a child coming from the woman's body or the growth of a plant coming out from the ground, if there's something wrong, then the growth is a tumor a tumor that destroys the woman who drinks it. That's the concept over here. We're purposely, according to Refersh, mixing together the dirt from a holy area and holy water from that cure itself, right, from a certain area to show the gift of creating life when used properly can create the greatest of human beings and when used improperly will cause a person to blow up. It will grow something, but the growth will be something that will take the woman down completely and completely go down. That's the idea behind it. He says that the relationship between a husband and a wife can be as holy as the ground of the Besa Mikdash, and that's marriage is just as holy. But when the taivas that a Kaddish Baruch put into the world for that reason are abused, it's like dirt being thrown into crystal clear drinking water. And that obviously is problematic. It's a beautiful reverse. He goes on, I'm just quoting some of it over here, but that's that. Why dirt? Why is the dirt being thrown in? If that's all the holy water, what's the dirt? So Targumander says, because the end of every person is to be buried in the dirt. We're going to get into that a little bit later, but that's why, because it reminds a person that he's going to die. Why a clay vessel? Why does it have to be put into a clay cheris? What's the point of that? Rashi says, she gave her boyfriend to drink in beautiful glass and crystal goblets for him to drink the wine, etc. So we take the most disgusting of cups to give her to drink because of what she did before. We make her drink disgusting water in a disgusting clay vessel for that reason. Rav Kliyakar says taste never leaves a clay cheris. It stays inside there and might not be polite. Remember, there's something called bolea, bolea, which gets swallowed into the cup, and then polate, which goes out from the cup. By clay cheris, by this, this vessel, it's almost impossible for it to be polate. That's why we can't kasher a clay cheris. It takes in but it's very, very difficult to be able to take out. When a person is with an erva, gives birth to a mamzer, there's nothing you can do. It's a me'uvis, a mistake, lo yuchalit kon, that can't be fixed. And that's what it's like. It's like a clay cheres that cannot be fixed. There's nothing you can do about it. Similarly, the Rabbeinu Ephraim and the Rekanati, they both say that a clay cheres cannot be fixed. It can only be broken. She destroyed a relationship with her husband for no reason. It can't be fixed. That's where she is. That's where she's holding. We have nothing else that a person can do at that point. There are a few reasons for this combination of ingredients and the way it went, meaning putting everything together. Here's a couple of them. The Gemara says in Sota Yudzayim and Aleph, this could be if she sins, she's going to go back to the dirt and die. And if not, she'll be Zohar to have a child as great as Avram Avinu, who claimed he was but dirt and ashes. Right? He was Afer Ve'efer. So it's one of the two. You can go either way. The Balatuin quotes Yushami Sota that says, she came from the water, Atipa Srucha, from her father and her mother. She will go to dust, and that's why the Afer and the Mayim are put together to show what she was and what she can be, etc. Rechaim Paltiel, he says all three of these things are done together. Water, dirt, and ksav, the ksav that's written on top of there, the Parsha Sota that they write in with Hashem's name, and then erasing in the water, because you should remember Perkiavos, Paragimel, Mishnah Aleph, where she came from, obviously the Satipa Srucha, where she's going to go into the dirt itself, as well as the fact that everything is written down by a hand in Shemayim, that everything is known by a Kaddish Baruch and that's the Parsha that's thrown in together with this. The Mesha Chachma, right, the Rameir Simcha Dvinsk explains that an Adam is always a Muad. 
you can never claim that you didn't you were accidental that you did damage something accidental and therefore you're only a shogig you shouldn't be chayiv as much a man is a muad laolam and always should pay full price even if he does something accidental right the rambam paskins that's only bereshusa nizik if you go to someone else's property here and I go into your property, right, and I go straight in there and I destroy something, that's when all of a sudden I'm going to be high for anything, etc. But if it's in a public area where you didn't necessarily have permission to put something, or if you come into my area and I break your thing, then you're going to be potter. Why? The world is not considered yours. You come from a tipa zera, a little bit of water, and you become dust. <laughs> We're here for a little bit. But the world really belongs to Hashem. Which means if you do something wrong, it's considered as if you're damaging in the Rishus Hanizik, in God's domain. It's not your area. You think you own your house. It's a Kaddish Baruch world. You borrow the house. You get to have ownership of that time. But you're just sitting here in his area. If you would think about this, says the Meshachachma, you could never sin. It's like you're sitting right in front of God's face, like you're in the throne room with him sitting on the throne and you're sitting there protesting with whatever it is you're protesting against God. And that's why we mix water and dirt together to remind you of the Mishnah, to remind you that it's not your world. It's a Rishus Nizik, and an Adam is more Le'olam, person should always remember that and stop himself from sinning. Now the Rekinati says that water and dirt are put together because it's going one of two ways, as we just said. She can go with Rachamim, and that's water, or it can go into dirt, which is going to be Midas Adin, and she'll be destroyed. The Shach says she was Metame herself. Her body is comprised of all four elements, as we know, that's the Ram- Ramban says, right? There's Ruach, Mayim, Esh, and Ufer, and that's why a Ruach Kina a ruach, a spirit of jealousy, goes to the husband, right? That's what ends up happening to him. Her body, right, or she drinks a mixture of ash, uffer, and mayim, sorry, uffer and mayim itself, and the klecheres is fire, or I would tell you the, the what happens to her body is like fire. It's like she blows up from within, and therefore ash, ruach, mayim, and uffer are all represented right over here. That's how the shach puts it. The chsam sofra says klecheres refers to one's thoughts being in the dirt. The water is the neshama, and he goes on, etc. The ksav is considered like water and dirt together. Now, Zayim Torah says a really interesting thing over here. He says, when Hashem made Adam, he took dirt from the Mizbeach. That's where he took it from. From the Mizbeach itself, mixed it with water, took it and mixed it with water, like a woman who needs flour and water in order to make dough. That's how it's described. Yushalmi Shabbos and Perak Beis, Halach above say that. But that's how Adam, Adam Rishon was made. He was made with dirt, mixed with water, like a dough, and then made into the human being that he is, and a Kaddish Baruch who blew in the Ruach, blew in his spirit, and allowed him to be. The creation of future generations from that point on was never going to be that way. It's always going to be through Chava, through all women, and their ability to say something. I mean, that's why Chava said herself, Kanisi Isha Sashem, I acquired a Kaddish Baruch Hu. I was able to make something just like God itself. Together, men and women have this combination of offer and Mayim while a Kaddish Baruch Hu blows in the Ruach. So says, that was nine Torah, that means there's three partners involved. The Ruach and maybe the Esh from Hashem, the offer and the Mayim from man and from woman. All of them are partners when it comes there. When a Kaddish Baruch Hu wants somebody to die, then a Kaddish Baruch Hu takes his part back, the Ruach and the Esh. 
leaving the person with the upper and the mayim down below. This is all based on the Gemara Nida Daflamid Aleph. When a woman becomes a Sota, she is then sinning against both of her partners, her husband and a Kaddish Baruch Says the Aznaim Latorah. That's when the Kohen, representing Hashem, takes dirt from the ground of the Mishkan and water as a Zecher to the original creation and gives it to her to drink. You are the one who is given the power of the land and water to create human beings. And you misused it, you abused it. HaKadosh Baruch then takes back his chilek from her and the other two parts remain down below and the woman dies. That's how the, the way the Aznaim Latorah put, puts it and says something. It, it's just, it, it's a crazy thing to think about. Now, the Torah's owners and Rehoboam and Ibshit says something that shocked me when I read it. He says something that, that really bothers me. There's a Rabbeinu Bachaya that comes right afterward. You might have heard of this Rabbeinu Bachaya before, but it's literally opposites of one another. Rabbeinu Bachaya is like famous because it's like, wow, where did he get that from? Torah's owners literally says the exact opposite. Listen to this. It says, Dora Mabel was destroyed by water. We know they were obviously the big Mabel. Why? Because of Znus. They lost both this world and the next. The Gemara in Sanhedrin says, Dora Mabel has no chilek in Olam Abba. They have no portion of the world to come. They're gone. They lost this world. They lost the next world, and that's that. This woman also deserves to lose both if she sinned with that man. Right? She deserves to lose both this world by dying and the next world for sinning against her husband and Hashem. But the Kohen tries to do what he can through the Midah of Chesed to save her from punishment in the next world. What does he do? He gives her holy water, which represents what he calls the Or of Hashem, coming from a holy place, donated by holy women. And a clay cheres, which is something that becomes tummy on the outside, but not on the inside. So too, the water only destroys her if she sinned completely, not just with pritzus ba'alma, which is something we can talk about at a different time. A clay cheres can be broken and therefore made tahor. So too, this woman, if you break yourself, says the Kohen, by giving her a Kli Cheres and showing her what can be, if you break yourself, if you do Tshuva right now, if you are Misvade, you do Vidu, you confess, you say, you're right, I never should have done this. If you're willing to do this right now, says, it's possible, then that tremendous punishment of what the water does has the ability to clean you out and although you'll lose this world, the next world is wide open for you. You may not get everything you want in this world. You may lose this. But I promise you, says the Kohen, just like the Klechars can be broken in Torah, you can be made broken and you can become Torah. It just takes a little bit and that's that. Dirt from the area of the base of Mikdash, the Mizbech, can use to be Metair. And she can be Metair. So it's first Emerson says, it's a warning to her. Just do this. Just do it and do Vidoy. Say... Just try to do tshuva, and even though you'll die, even so, it doesn't make a difference, you'll make it into Olam Haba. I shouldn't say it doesn't make a difference. It does make a difference, because she's going to die. But it means, at least you'll get something in Olam Haba. But the Rabbeinu Bechaya says something absolutely crazy. He says, the clay cheres zoremes, that this zota will never get tchias amesim. A clay cheres is broken, as we said. It can't be put back together. It's gone forever. A sota woman, he says, will never, ever be able to be fixed. She will be lost forever. Her soul is gone. 
And whatever she gets, the punishment in this world, plus what's going to happen in the next, it includes not being able to have Tchiyas Mason. He says, someone who's Mazana, give me one second, Steve, is like worshipping two gods. Glass Kalim, on the other hand, can be fixed. And that's why in the Gemara Sanhedrin, Tzadi Aleph Amid Aleph, it says, a Tchiyas Mason is considered like a glass cleave that it could be broken, and then you could put it right back together. That's what the Gemara means, that she says, Amen mi'ish zeh, who is her ben zuga with her neshama body, Amen mi'ish acher, she's connected to any other person in the world, she's never going to come back, she's gone. Steve, yeah? According to the Rebbe Nebuchadnezzar, it seems like it's too late. Once, yeah, she should have done it before, and she should have done something before. And I'm not saying that tshuva can't help. But the Rabbeinu Bakai doesn't say specifically she can't do tshuva. But it seems like at certain point it's too late. She's gone, and this happens. And by the way, as a side note, I'm sorry. Necessarily after she drank the waters, because she obviously didn't do tshuva. Correct. Correct. And I don't want to say it's possible. This is also true by the boyfriend as well. He doesn't say it, but likely any punishment that went to a Sota woman would apply to a guy who did something to the married woman. It's likely that it would apply to both. I can't tell you that for sure, because he doesn't say it, but it's likely it would be there. I'm sorry? Uh, the, yeah, that's what the Gemara says, that just like she blows up, he blows up. So it's possible this applies as well, that neither one of them gets Chiyas Yeah, Dave? So, with the clay terrace, right, if you break it and you grind it up, Clay Harris will never the the way that the Gemara says it is it's panim chadashos baolakan. You take the clay and you put it down and you make it into mud and whatever as you redo it. It's a completely new vessel. Glass kalim, however, even when they're burnt together, in theory you can still put it together to be the same glass. I don't know why it's so. I need to ask somebody who really knows their clay and glass of five to ten centuries ago. <laughs> but I'm not positive why that's so and why that happens. But that's what they say, that glass can be easily made together by burning it down, but clay cannot be. She is, uh, but a mom, like a mamzer situation, which, um, which is slightly different here, right? So the mamzer eventually can't marry to polyesterol and eventually dies off. So the future is... That's correct, off. yeah. What is that? So in this situation, the same thing, like her baby never comes to be. So basically... Their future is cut off. Okay, I hear you. One is through Shemayim, and the other one is by us. Like, we're, well, I, I mean, it's miraculous, but... Can't marry yeah, so yeah, I hear you. I mean, but they can still marry Giorsim, uh, Gera Gioras, right? So you still have the possibility of a Mamzer keep marrying. No, 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 Gera Gioras marries a Mamzer, but the kid is still a Mamzer. And there is a way to be Metara Mamzer, we just can't do it anymore with Evakanani, right? And Evakanani being free, or Shifcha Kanani is being freed. Right, so therefore, and if she marries in theory, he's together with a shifra, the and then she free, she's freed afterward. Yeah. Mamzer is to no fault of his own, so we try to fix up the mamzer in some way, shape, or form. So the sota, it's her fault. Born yeah. the Correct. Caught. And remember, a, a Sota woman is not just a woman that did Ezezish, which in and of itself obviously is terrible, and this nose is terrible. This is a woman who was warned and still had Yichud with Adim. That, that's crazy, so right? That, that's the problem. Ish in a way, I, I, again, the example that's given by the Mishnah, if Ma'uvas L'yuchalitzkon, or something you can't fix, is a mamzer, right? So that can't be fixed. If she, uh, she's assured to her husband, that cannot be fixed. That is the example, Ma'uvas L'yuchalitzkon. So I, I don't want to say that. But, however, a sota in another way, according to the Rabbeinu Bechaya, is something that we can't get around, that he's completely gone. Now, there is something more to this. More to this is, everyone asks on this Rabbeinu Bechaya, there's a famous Gemara in Bab Metziah, in Nun Chasma Beis, right? 
now this is right before the whole story with Rabbi Eliezer ben Horkinus, if anybody remembers, right, with Rabbi Eliezer ben Horkinus says the whole thing with the uh, Tanur Shalach Hanoi. This is like the forgotten Gemara right before the Nuchas and Beis Testament Aleph, where David Melech is speaking in Negayim and Olos. He's like giving a shear in Negayim and Olos, and a guy raises his hand and he says, David, what's the, what's the halacha, just remind me, of somebody who's together with an Ashish? Because remember, David Melech was together with Batsheva, who at the time was an Ashish Ish to Uriachiti. Yes, Uriachiti gave her a get. Yes, Uriachiti never ended up going back to his house. Yes, in the end, everything was Mutter and Shlomo comes from Batsheva. But they said, they would ask that question to embarrass David Melech in the middle of Shear. And David Melech responded, and he says, he said the following. He says, one who does so is killed, but still is a chalik in Olam Haba. But embarrassing someone publicly, you don't even have a chalik in Olam Haba. Right? That's what David Melech would respond, which is a nice little diss right back at that guy, and I really like that. That's amazing. Right? But regardless, it shows you still have a chalik in Olam Haba. Right? Even if you're together with an Asian Zish, David Melech says straight out, you do have a chalik in Olam Haba. The Rabbeinu Bechai says you're not. Now, I don't see it as that big of a kasha. If you're asking me that question, I'd say, no, this is with a sota, that's with an ish Not that one is better than the other, but the sota woman is somebody who is warned by your husband. The ish could be a situation where it was accidental. Look, David Amelok shouldn't have done what he did. But even according to the Abarbanel, there was a few mistakes that happened over there in which he thought that she was single. He should have asked differently. There was an onus involved in some way, even according to the Abarbanel. According to all the other Meforshim, she was divorced. So that that's, like, it doesn't even, like, of course that case you have a chilek in Olam Abba. But in this case, with a sota where she's warned and she does it anyway, and she, she's warned by her husband, and there are Adim, and she still can't stop herself, then maybe there's no chilek. That's what I would say. However, the other answer is given by Tosa, sota dalin of a And he says, the difference is, doing tshuva allows you to gain Olam Abba. See, that's, Steve, that's where you come in. That's where it is. While this woman who dies drinking the soda waters didn't have the ability to do tshuva. That, again, is against Ferris Yonason, who is saying, do tshuva and then drink, seems to be a little bit different. But regardless, the Chidah gives another answer. If you die through chenek, then you'll have a chilek and And if not, you won't. But regardless, that's something to be able to think about. That's something right there. Yeah, what do you got? Any case of Chayef Misa has to be a case where they were warned and given and had aid, right? Obviously, yeah. So then, if it's just a case of Eishas Ish, where she's Chayef Misa, then she was also warned and had Adam. You're right, but not by the husband. When it's in front of other Adam, I can hear she's going to have the audacity to think something or do something that she probably shouldn't do. But when it's in front of, let's just not call it Adam, you know, if she's asked by her husband, stay away from X, that takes beyond brazenness, where she's being told who to stay away from and still does what she does in front of Adam. So you hear what I'm saying? Like, obviously you're right. There is Hasra and Adus regarding a regular case. This is something a little bit more. What? Because sometimes, you know, people don't like being controlled, right? Your husband, you feel more comfortable rejecting than two big Tzadikim walking over to you and telling you, hey, you can't do that. I don't know. I would like, argue that point a lot. You're like, I'm saying people have it all the time, right? Like, where they... Where the spouse or whatever. I, I, I would argue that point. I would argue that point a lot. I would argue that point very much. I would. Yeah. Yeah, when the warning as well. And, and not the same Adam. Right. And there's a question if you need one aid versus two aid for the Kino and then one aid, two aid for the Stira, you know, Rebbe Lezra, Rebbe Yeshua. But I don't know. I would argue the point. I would argue that point. Oats are plus a Torah. He wonders why this woman would have such a harsh punishment, something we don't see anywhere else. There's barely any things where we say no Chelek and Olam Obviously, there's Kares, right? But there's barely anything where we say no Tchias Amesim. 
I, I can't even think one off the top of my head where it's like, no Tchias Mason for this. No Olam Haba. If Olam Haba and Tchias Mason are the same thing, that might be something. But if you say no Tchias Mason, where do we see that? Where do we see that by anyone aside from this? Yeah. The guy who gave ribs. But that, uh, you're right. There's ribbis in which a person is not supposed to get up for the tchia. But we also don't understand that so much. I would say the exact same question would apply for that as well. Where does that come from? And he brings a Gemara. It's in Sota Heyom et Aleph. Where Rabbi Elazar says that somebody with Gasus Aruach will not wake up for tchia samesim. With Gaiva. And this Sota is someone who has Azus Metzach, she's brazen, as well as Gas the Ruach, she's willing to do whatever she wants, thinking she'll never be caught, and maybe that's why. That's a stretch. I don't really like that answer whatsoever. I, this is a hard question. What happened to her all of a sudden that she gets no Tchiasa Mesim? It's just weird wording from the Rabbeinu Bechai. Anyway, that is something that's right there. I've got a large Kliyakar. I kind of want to skip it for right now and come back to it. It's an awesome Kliyakar, but I'm probably going to come back. Yeah. What? Gasua Gaiva, like ego, like her it, her ego got too much and she just haughty haughtiness. We'll call it like that. Is that? Don't know, but that's one of the things that the Gemara mentions. There's eight things that the Gemara mentions about Gasua Ruach, and one of them is this. They got no. I, it's a very hard thing to go. Okay, so Kliyakar goes through the process. I'm going to speak about it in a second. The Sefer Habatim. Mitzvah Reish Chavdalit from a few centuries ago says there's a Kabbalah he has that they put poison in the Mesota. Actual poison. And they placed it inside there. As well as the dirt and as well as the Ksav. The miracle was not necessarily the woman blowing up. That was normal because she mamish was drinking a thing of poison. The miracle is when she didn't if she didn't sin and she drank it and she didn't blow up, that was shocking. That's when everybody's like, huh. <laughs> like, we put in a lot of acid inside there. This is strange. What is going on? Either way, the point was definitely to scare her. There's no question about that. And that it did. Many women would rather admit the wrongdoing when they saw the poison with the big XX mark on it, you know, and they poured it inside. They were like, okay, well, we didn't realize how far you were going over here. And that's that. And that was the whole point of it. They didn't want to drink it. The Ultra Plus Torah said this to Ramosha Sternbach. And Ramosha Sternbach said, he's like, he gave an idea. He said, no, the poison was not the type of poison that kills immediately, that you would drink it and immediately blow up. That's not what happened. The poison naturally would be something that would go into her system and after a while she would die. That was the type of poison. If it killed her immediately it was a huge miracle. If it didn't kill her at all, it was also a huge miracle. The one thing that wasn't a huge miracle is if she slowly but surely died. So it was a miracle if she did die. It was a miracle if she didn't die. It wasn't a miracle if it was something that slowly, which is what the poison would have done. Either way, it was a pella to all those around and what was happening. Yeah, Dave. Uh, uh, yeah, but the whole parsha is somechanalanis. Come on, it's the whole ramban in this parsha. It's literally where somechanalanis the whole time. Yeah. This concept takes away from the from the whole the whole miracle. Like if you're saying that this that everybody dies and it's a miracle if you get saved. Why does it take again? This whole parsha is a. This is the craziest miracle of all time. I'm not getting the problem. So what? Why can't it go the other way? If the whole point of the soda water is to be able to scare her so that she doesn't do anything. 
again, if it's a Parsha in the Torah, again, the only argument is, is that the Parsha never says to put poison inside there. That's the only problem that you could have with this. It doesn't say that anywhere. So, like, for somebody to say, like, they put poison inside there, you're just like, what? Where is that? Show me the Medrash. Show me the Gemara. Show me the Yushalmi. There's no Gemara. There's no Yushalmi. There's no Medrash. She just says it was a Kabbalah. And I'm kind of wondering who he killed in his lifetime. But I, I don't know. But it, that's something that you can ask on. But to say that, how could we rely on a miracle? Literally, this whole Parsha is relying on a miracle. Yeah, the whole thing is relying on a miracle to see what happens. The nace is that Hashem intercedes in the situation. By adding the poison component, you're making it a natural order. A natural order of death? A natural order of death. Unless, unless, again, unless that Kaddish Baruch Hu knows that this is what has to happen. Unless, again, if this is what was supposed to happen. I hear it. It's just, that's a crazy thing. I, I think I'm okay with that. And the whole parsha takes away from it. Yeah, but go ahead, Matthew. So just something I thought uh, was interesting to add. There is some support for this, because I believe the, the Mamloaz mentions, or at some point, you know, they stopped to insult them when the miracle stopped happening. When I heard that, I thought, um... Well, how would they know in case it was just... Uh, you're talking about the Gemara at the end of Sota. The Gemara at the end of Sota is a little different. It doesn't say when the miracle stopped happening. It's when Rabbi Gamliel, I think it was Rabbi Gamliel passed away, somebody passed away, but when there were too many Sotas, when it became too many and they realized that things were just happening wrong. And really, the way that some of the Rishonim understand it is that the boyfriends were sinning a lot as well, and it doesn't work if the boyfriend, or if the husband also sinned. So the husbands weren't going. That's the reason why the Gemara says well, it over there. What I was going to say is, um, what, uh, it would make, you know, when I first heard that, and I thought that uh, it just meant that they stopped dying because of this. I would say, well, that could have just meant they were innocent. But if, what, but if we follow this uh, teaching, that it would make sense because we would see the miracle if they blow up or if they live. They didn't, yeah. But if we started seeing Shuli and Shuli dying, then we would know the miracle stopped working. Right, 100%. Right. It's not good to kill people. But yes, <laughs> this probably was problematic no matter how you looked at it. Anyway, I had to say it because it's absolutely crazy. Now, how could they take the dirt of the Karka of the Mishkan if they were constantly moving? What kind of dirt were they taking? They were moving all over the place in the Midbar. Granted, when they came to Eretz in Shiloh, they were there for 369 years in the base of Mikdash, obviously for 410 and 420. But the dirt from the Mishkan, what was the big deal? Those nine Torah says Yiyeh. They had to take the dirt from that area wherever it would be. The Gemara in Sota Tesfum Obeys says there was an area, probably only in the base of Mikdash, that was an ama by an ama with a marble thing on top of it. They used to pick it up and be able to take the dirt out of there and they'd use it for the Sota's waters itself. If there was no dirt left inside there, then they would put dirt inside there and then keep it and they would do stuff like that. Ibn Ezra says the well, it's well-known dirt that was under the ground in the Mizbeach. Nobody has any idea what the Ibn Ezra means by that at all. The Malvin talks about this a little bit, rehearsed the Torah to Mima, Meshana Halachos and Chelik Yudalit Simon Reish Pei Aleph suggests that the dirt of the original spot the Mishkan was on actually traveled with them throughout the Midbar. Not on purpose, like they didn't just pick up the dirt like the Levian weren't carrying piles of dirt, but the dirt traveled with them and went there or whatever, so they didn't have to sanctify the floor of the Mishkan every time they came to a certain place. That's super cool, but very impractical. Right? That was something that just, again, miracle after miracle to be able to say through. What Chaim Balaji says that we know dirt that cannot grow anything in it is puzzle for Kisu Adam. You need to have something. It has to be able to grow dirt, grow something inside there. It's mentioned in Chulun Pei Chasma Beis. You can't just have like sand that cannot grow anything. And although some sand can, right? You can't just have that. You got to have something that in theory could grow something from it. You'd assume it was the exact same thing by Ashka Sota as well. So now I have a problem. How do they have dirt that grew plants in the midbor? They're in a desert. Desert sand can't grow anything. 
So how in the world were they able to do that and take that dirt that was under the Mishkan and put it inside? Now again, if you go with the Mishan Halachos, the dirt went with them. So wherever they were originally, that's what they took with them and that was all good and that's that. But otherwise, how were they supposed to go through? And we know that they did Sota in the Midbar because it says, They had Kinui for Moshe in the camp and they suspected their wives of being together with Moshe. It was a false accusation, but regardless, clearly there was something like that. Now I'm a little wondering about this because maybe some of the sand there was dirt-like. After all, everybody's been to South of Eretzal by the Negev itself. It's not like it's desert sand. We're not talking about the Sahara Desert in that area. And I don't know if it ever was Sahara Desert area. It seems to me that they would have been in dirt areas and they would have made sure that there was dirt there and not sand. That, to me, seems to be pretty obvious. But there's an obvious one also. The B'nai Yisrael had animals throughout the desert, right? That means that the animals would have to eat something. So there was definitely dirt and grass. What else were they eating? So I have no doubt that the Be'er Shomirim, wherever they went, turned the sand into dirt, and the dirt was able to grow, and therefore there's no problem with this whole question. Rechaim Palaji's question of how could they have dirt? They're sitting in a midbore. It's desert sand. I don't think it's a Shiloh in the first place, because how did their animals survive? And again, if you say it's miraculous, then I'll say it was miraculous and there was dirt underneath the Mishkan. Like, this doesn't bother me at all. The whole question doesn't bother me. The Partiz Yosef also brings about six different opinions that speak about this, this question of Rechaim Palaji. It doesn't really, I, I, it, it's strange to me, like what it was. There are a few questions, right, about how much water was put inside the Kli and, right, what happens with, were you able to take the water from the Kli here into the Kli Cheres, Milam Bekoders Maridin. Listen to this one and I'll try to run through the Kli Akar if I can. The Baal Shem Tev says, there are times where people are confused what to do, and they need good advice from someone who's a Talmud Chacham. That is hinted to in this Parsha, and specifically this Pasuk. He says, this Sota represents a person who is conf- confused and doesn't know what to do. She's brought to the Kohen, a Talmud Chacham who heals all souls. The Kohen takes Mayim Kedoshim, words of Torah, in a clay cheres, in a form of a mushal or a joke, or a story for the person to hear it better. You hear that? The water is put in the clay cheres so that it could be accepted more by the person who needs to hear that advice. That person then receives musr in a cloaked, veiled way, but a way that they can hear it, a way they can understand it. That's when a person is going to be heard properly. That's when a Talmud Chacham will be able to be the proper Talmud Chacham that he can be. That's a lesson for all rabbis, all teachers, all rabbanim. Giving over musr in a harsh way, says the Baal Shem Tov, never works. That's like stuffing something down the Sota's throat. But if you do it in a kind way, then it's possible for the recipient to be able to accept it in a better manner. However, if that person's ego cannot be helped and there's nothing you can do, then the Kohen will no longer be able to help. The only thing you can do is throw in the dirt, make the person humbly accept who he is and why he became the person that he became. Isn't that a really cool Baal Shem Tov? But he says that's the idea behind the Sota itself. Now, I'm going to run. I'm literally going to fly through this. Already? The Kliyaka explains the Badika that happened over here. Wherever you find Gedder Erever, that's where you find Kedusha. If there's something wrong, there you're going to find something holy. She's sinned with wine, giving your boyfriend something to eat, says the Kliyaka, and therefore we punish her with another liquid. These waters were made holy by the Kiyor, a clay of Kedusha, and which then had a name of a Kaddish Baruch placed inside it, which was then erased. That means that the water should be extra holy. All the water goes to the body, and any waste that comes from it goes out through the intestines and out through one's urine. The person, obviously, can get rid of all the evil that's inside their body, right? So therefore, if she was Tameh and she was not go to her Self-memorize these holy waters will not be able to go through the area of her body. She was metami through the sin. Instead, it's going to stay inside the body and slowly but surely blow up because it can't come out. 
It can't go out through the urine. It can't go out through throwing up. It can't go out anywhere. It just stays there and that's that. That's a natural, so to speak, occurrence that happens to some people, right? If her body cannot handle something, she's unable to make it through the system, it could make t- cause terrible damage to that person, either going through the stomach becoming bloated since this liquid can't leave the system, or it finds a way to go further down into the leg and making it blow up until it falls off. <laughs> is that an unbelievable kliyakr? That's what he says. That's the whole process and how it happens naturally, naturally, so to speak. But if she's taller and the area did not become taller, the holy water Go, just goes straight through her system. It goes out through her urine. She's never going to have any problems whatsoever. In fact, the water that does remain in her body will go through the system in an entirely different way to become make her become pregnant with a baby boy because that water is going to enter somewhere else. The result of having a holy name inside her body. So all the bad parts go out. All the good parts stay in and allows her to have a baby. He then explains that the dirt is a place inside the water. The reason why people have a tendency to desire a rias, to do something that's improper, is because of the original sin of the land. It was asked to make eights pre, trees that taste like fruit, and instead it made eights osapri, meaning the eights didn't taste like the fruit. So he says, Homer and Gassus thus went throughout the entire world and continued to exist because of what the land did. The Ramban explains in Parsha Barish's part-based puzzle test that eating from that tree caused them to have Titus and Mishko, which did not exist before that, a desire for, for something that they never had before. Man was created from the ground what would later be the Makom Mikdash, and therefore we take ground from that very place where Adam was from to testify that that is part of the reason why this person sinned with Arias, because that first sin of the, of the trees on day three. Because I'll argue whether this water had something bitter put inside it. The Gemara in Sotidapkov says there was something bitter put inside it. The Ramban here argues that nothing bitter was put inside it, but the woman who tasted it felt like it was bitter. And that's the Makhlukas between them. It's possible that it's connected to other things. The bitter waters that they experienced at Mara and the Egel Azov, where they're given water with gold shavings of the Egel Azov to drink, that caused them to blow up later on. We know the Aserah Sadibras are connected to one another. Specifically, Right, Anochi is right next to Lo Sirtzach. And Lo Yelach Elohim you shouldn't have any gods, it's put right next to Lo Sinaf, that you shouldn't commit adultery. Right? So that's the idea behind it. That is because worshipping idols is like cheating on Hashem. That's the idea. The Mechilta says in Mara they were doing a Varazar, which means the water they drink in that area tasted bitter to them, as the Ramban said above, that it tastes bitter to you even if there's nothing bitter inside it. What did Moshe Rabbeinu do? Vayore Hashem ate. He threw wood inside there. Hashem made them throw a piece of wood in the water to make it sweeter. Moshe taught them Torah, that's the Eitz Chaimhi, which showed them how wrong they were and that stopped their idea. By the Ego Azov, they also drank water mixed with gold pieces and it tasted better to them. Those who sinned blew up like sotas. That's because they either they sinned with Arias, as some say happened here, there as well, or because of Orizaras compared to Arias, and therefore that's what they had to drink. For that sin, those that sinned, the evil gold reacted within that evil and caused them to blow up because it couldn't go through the system, says the Kliyakar. For those that didn't, it was like drinking regular water with gold in it, nothing happened. They served gold in all these really fancy dishes throughout the entire world. Everything went through the system, the bad stuff stuff went out, the good stuff stayed in, and it just came right out. Is that an unbelievable clay ucker? I know I ran through that, but quick, Shomo, yeah. Oh, no, don't ask me now. We're stopping with that for right now. Shkaya, guys.